Simple Trash, let me hear you. Come on, y'all. Let me hear you. Come on. Man, glad to have you back in the house and give it up for this band one more time, y'all. Come on, y'all. Man, killing it today. So listen, I am super excited that you're here. We are in a series, as you have seen the intro to. It's called At the Movies. We're going to have a little fun with that. It is also Promotion Sunday. All the babies, kids moving on up to the next grade. Thank you for bringing them to church. Thanks for being here today. And I promise you, by the time you leave today, you're going to learn something and it's going to apply to everybody in the room because you're either going to know somebody that needs to hear this message and you can share it, or it might just be for you today. When I talk about at the movies, I'm going to go old school and ask you, have you ever seen this movie right here, The Martian? Anybody seen that? Come on. Okay, yeah, a couple of people seen it. The rest of them be like, I don't know about that movie, all right? Well, what happens is, as we're going through this series, I'm asking you to share either a clip from a movie or a movie that has said something to you, that inspires you. And someone submitted this, and it's perfect for the intro today. It's the movie The Martian. It's about a guy, again, going to live on Mars and all these different problems they're trying to solve. And this first clip right here sets us up perfect for a big announcement I'd like to make. But let's watch the clip, and I'll come back and tell you. Check it out. At some point, everything's going to go south on you. Everything's going to go south, and you're going to say, this is it. This is how I end. Now, you can either accept that or you can get to work. That's all it is. You just begin. You do the math. You solve one problem. Then you solve the next one. And then the next. And if you solve enough problems, you get to come home. All right. Questions? Every hand in the room goes, I got some questions for you. But here is why I love this clip. It says you got all of these opportunities moving around you and you just have to choose to begin. You got to start somewhere and you solve one problem after the next and then you get to come home. Well, guess what? It is all official today. We have signed the contract. We are moving to the boardwalk 100%. It is happening. All right. So thank you for your patience. Thank you for everything that's happened. We made all of these negotiations along the way with the new owners. There's some exciting things happening down there we're still working on. But it was literally 
one problem, then to go to the next problem, and we got all of those things solved, and your giving has made it possible, so we're just super, super grateful, and we're excited about moving to Bossier here, probably about a year from now, because we got some construction to do, so we'll be updating you from week in and week out moving forward, so we're very, very excited about that, but this is not what we're talking about today. It's just kind of the intro, because it also sets up where we're going with the message, you just have to begin. That's the whole idea of that little Martian clip, you know, right there. It's like, there's a lot of things to do, but if you're going to Mars, you just got to start somewhere. And here is the problem with all of us in this room in one area or another. Maybe you're like me and this word really jumps off the screen at you. It's a word called procrastination. Anybody know anything about that? Okay. Thank you. One honest person. All right. Something you need to do, but you put it off. Well, that's where some people think we're doing the boardwalk. Like, like, man, what are y'all doing? Are we going to do this or not? You're just putting it off. Well, no, true. There were things we were trying to work through. But there are other areas in my life that I am definitely guilty of procrastination. Procrastination, to define it even more in depth, it's the thing that you got to do, you need to do, but the more you put it off, you seem to get better and better at putting it off. It's like, man, I know I need to do this, but then once you start procrastinating, it's like it gets worse and worse. I ran across a card in a local store because I was looking for a birthday card. It was a belated birthday card. Here's what it goes to say. It says, I used to crash today, but now I'm just a pro, right? Then I decided to go pro because it was a belated birthday card. It's like, hey, I know I need to do this, but I'm procrastinating. It's too late. Well, I start thinking about all these different areas in my life, and I have a feeling I'm not the only one, but it could be around the house. You know, you need to do some things around the house. You need to, maybe it's your car. You know, there's so many different areas that you need to work on, but you procrastinate and you put it off. It could be a slow draining sink. And then the next thing you know, this is what it looks like. All right. You keep putting it off. Eventually the problem gets worse and worse. And you're going, how did I get here? Well, it's because you've been putting it off. I have a feeling you'll definitely relate to this one because many of us are guilty of this. Anybody have an air filter that looks like that, you know? It's like, you know you need to change it, you're supposed to change it, but you've procrastinated. And then the next thing you know, it's like, how did it get to this bad? I also have in my garage one vehicle that I have a slow leak in the tire. And when you put it off and put it off, this is what happens eventually. You have a flat tire. Well, all of these things are... Things around the house, in your car, whatever it may be, you go, I can relate to that procrastination. But the biggest procrastination area in my life is my health because I love little Debbie. You already know that, all right? Ask the Bozier firemen. I pass them out all the time. I love the Swiss cake rolls. And I figured this out. Why I am fat is Swiss cake rolls, all right? Oh, why y'all going to be laughing at that? Get that off of there. That ain't supposed to be up there, all right? Yeah, that's too much, all right? But here's what I have figured out. Swiss cake rolls equal my body rolls. Can I get an amen, all right? It's procrastination. I know I need to work out. I know I need to get in shape. I have, this is embarrassing, but when I leave, there'll be, I'll be visiting everybody in the, in the lobby and some lady's like, I'm here to train you. God sent me to train you. And for some reason, I keep procrastinating. I'm not there yet, but you know how it is. You need to, you should, but you keep putting it off. It could be your car, your house. It could be your health. It could be relationships. Here's another big one. You need to talk, but you keep putting it off. It's like, hey, we need to talk about this or that. It could be boyfriend, girlfriend. It could be husband, wife. It could be kids. You need to talk, but you procrastinate and you put it off. Another great example is finances, paying bills, paying taxes. I know I need to pay them, but then it just keeps going on and on. 
But this is all to set up the biggest area of procrastination for all of us. I'm confident of this. All of those things we all relate to. But maybe you can really grab a hold of this. When it comes to spiritual matters, procrastination is at its worst. You have a tendency to handle even a flat tire because you can't go to work. You've got to fix the tire. You might even work on your health because the doctor came in and said, hey, man, you need to work on this. It could be something around the house. It could be all those different things. There's something pushing you to do that. But when it comes to spiritual matters, I have a feeling I'm not the only one. We seem to push that off. And then I ran across this scripture, and I'm like, all right, God, I get it. James 4, verse 17. Anyone who knows the right thing to do but does not do it is, what's this word? Yeah, we don't like that. I don't like that. I know I'm a sinner. You know you're a sinner, hopefully, because we are all sinners. But how do we go into this path of sin is because we know we should be doing certain things, but we keep putting them off. We procrastinate. And then we end up getting further and further down the line. You're like, oh my gosh, I know I need to be doing this. We all have good reasons for doing that too. You procrastinate because you've got good reasons. It could be a life group, for example. We're talking about signing up and starting life groups. Everybody's like, man, I need to do that. I need to get in one. But you keep procrastinating. One of the reasons, I've got to clean the house. And the next thing you know, you go to your house and this is what it looks like. And you're like, I've procrastinated too long. I can't have people in my house when it looks like this. And obviously, extreme exaggeration. But the point being, you know you need to be doing certain things, but there's reasons that you're not. Now, I'm going to talk to you today about three reasons we all procrastinate. Very quickly. This is going to be right up front, and then we're going to get into the rest of the message. And believe it or not, it's going to involve movies eventually, because you've sent in some clips that have set me up perfectly today. So thank you for participating. But remember, you can still email evan at thesimplechurch.tv if you have a favorite clip or something, and I'll try to work it even into a message. But the three reasons we procrastinate. Number one, indecision. You know you need to, but you're not able to make a decision quickly. James 1.8 says it like this, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What does that mean, Justin? It means, well, when you're caught between going back and forth and going back and forth and you just don't make the decision, it causes instability. And the next thing you know, you keep procrastinating because it's hard to make the decision. Number two, perfectionism. You struggle with, man, if I don't have it exactly like I want it, well, then I'm not going to do that. It could be a life group. It could be spiritual decision like your prayer life. I'm just not good enough to pray, man. I mean, I've been working on it, but I ain't got that figured out, so I'll put it off. You could go through so many different areas in your life, but spiritual matters, you get just indecisive about it, but then you're afraid you're not good enough. And if I'm not good enough, I'm just not going to do it. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says it like this. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Can I get an amen? amen? So you're knowing that this is true. I know this is true, but we struggle with it. This is just part of the world we live in. This is the reality of where we are. It's like, man, I'm just wanting everything to be just right, and then I'm going to do it. Number three, fear. The reason you procrastinate is you're scared of the future. You're scared of possibly the results. Or you might just be fearful of the unknown. But Matthew 8 tells us Jesus looked at all of us and said, why do you have such little faith, right? Why are you afraid? Trust me. It could be any spiritual decision that you're wrestling with or trying to get the strength to make. All right, I've got to make this decision. I've got to move forward. But it's like you're just hung up. 
Well, there's a spiritual matter that involves all three of these issues. And I promise you, someone in here needs to hear this today. Someone watching online needs to hear this. And if you're going, well, it's not me, you don't even know what it is yet, hang on. But if you're the one that when you see it, you go, well, that's not me, just listen through the whole message and pay attention because it might be something you need to be learning about to be able to help your kids, to help a friend, to help a family member understand this better. And it involves why we procrastinate on this issue is because it's indecision, it's perfect, you know, perfectionism, it's all of these things, fear, and what am I talking about? It's baptism. See, because we're going to be going to Splash Kingdom next week, and every time we go to Splash Kingdom, we like to make sure that you understand why I do a message on it every year before we do it. You go, well, why, Justin? Well, because many of you, oh, I need to do that, but you've put it off. Oh, I'm fearful of that. Well, I don't really know if I'm ready to make that decision or not. Remember all those procrastination reasons? And then, as it would happen, maybe because somebody knew that we're preparing to go to Splash Kingdom, someone sent me this clip this week, and they're like, hey, here's a perfect one. And it's from a movie you probably have watched, you know, but you need to be reminded of. Anybody remember this movie right here? Nacho! You may remember? Come on. Aye, aye, aye. Yes, of course. But I did not remember this clip. So when he sent the clip, I was like, ah, that's pretty good right there. So when you talk about baptism, this is taken from the movie. He is about to go into the biggest wrestling match of the year, and he's worried about his partner. Watch. I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. How come you have not been baptized? Because I never got around to it, okay? I don't know why you always have to be judging me. Because I only believe in science. But tonight, we are going up against Satan's caveman. And I just thought it would be a good idea if you... Felicidades. When I saw that clip, I was like, okay, that's not happening coming next week, but a perfect illustration. Why haven't you gotten to the point of being baptized? I just haven't gotten around to it. That is what happens with a lot of people. So we can have a little fun with it, but there are lessons that apply. And I'm going to take you right back to Scripture to show you a great example of what we're talking about. Acts chapter 8. Get ready and go south on the road that leads down from Gaza to Jerusalem, the road that goes through the desert. This is Philip. He's going on this journey. He's going through the middle of the desert. That's important because you're going to understand in a minute why this is a little bit of a challenge. So Philip got ready and he went as it continues on. On the road, he saw a man from Ethiopia. So he's in the middle of the desert. He sees an Ethiopian man who was an important official to the service of the queen of Ethiopia. This is what I want you to get. This is a big deal. This is a guy who has a lot of authority. This is an important person. He's got power. And Philip's on this road in the middle of the desert and he sees this guy. If you want to believe me, when I tell you he's important, the scripture will prove it. It says he was responsible for taking care of all of the queen's money. This guy was a big deal. He's an official. He's in charge. And as he's on this road, this man, he's telling the story of how, hey, 
He had even come from Jerusalem to worship. And now he's on his way home. So this Ethiopian, which would be a little bit weird because he's from the wrong part of the world to be worshiping in Jerusalem, but yet apparently he has some form of belief. So he is on his way home from experience, experiencing a really powerful moment in worship in Jerusalem. But then we get even more insight. It continues. He was sitting in his chariot. He's a baller, man. He got some money, right? Reading from the book of Isaiah. So now you got a guy who has worshiped in Jerusalem. He's not from that part of the world. He's from Ethiopia. So there's no reason he'd be in Jerusalem. He has made a decision to worship in Jerusalem. And now he is reading the Bible. He's reading the book of Isaiah. This is an important guy, a leader. He's got all these things going on. And he is coming back from this experience and he is continuing to read scripture. And Philip, who's going through the desert, runs into him. Literally, they cross paths. And Philip began to speak to him. He started with the same scripture and he told the man the good news about Jesus. Now, this is important because you could be religious. You could have even come from a worship experience. You could be reading God's word, but yet you could miss Jesus and all that. I grew up Catholic with my grandparents, Baptist with my parents. And there were many years of my life I was in church, but I didn't know anything about Jesus. Oh, I would hear the stories, but I had not made it personal to my life. And so we would just walk through and I would sing a song or I would read a scripture, but then it never really became personal to me. Well, this is very similar, but this guy even has more when it comes to the challenging areas of following Jesus. Well, what do you mean? Well, he's an important official. Is he worried about what other people are going to think about him? He's got all the money. He can do anything he wants to do. He can handle any of his business. He doesn't need quote of God. I don't need this. But yet some reason, somehow he's on this path of worshiping and trying to read. And then Philip is talking to him and he begins to tell him about Jesus. He says, listen, there's a man that you're reading about in the book of Isaiah who has come. He is the Messiah. Isaiah was telling you about it, but I have experienced knowing that this is true. Jesus, the Messiah has come to this earth he died on the cross. He shed his blood to cover your sin and my sin. There's no reason for sacrifice. You can leave the Old Testament behind. This now is a new covenant. We don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. You have one sacrifice for all time, and it is Jesus. His blood covers your sin of yesterday, today, and forever. But you have to believe in him. He's telling him the good news. And while they're traveling on the road, look at what happens. They came to some water. And the Ethiopian said, look, here's some water. What's this about, Joshua? Well, because Philip began to tell him, hey, if you have made a decision to follow Jesus and you want him to come in your life, you let the world know. You let all Ethiopians know. You let the entire globe know. Jesus. Amen. He said, all right. I'm willing to let Jesus be proclaimed because I'm going to be baptized. And if I get baptized, I am telling the world now that Jesus is coming to my life. And baptism is just one way to do that. So in this conversation, the guy's like, okay, man, I'm in. Hey, here's some water. But then the Ethiopian asked a question that I would ask all of you to really examine. He asked this question. What is stopping me from being baptized? See, this is where it kind of trips you out is because all of us have to answer the question. 
And all of us have to work through that. And somebody, well, I was baptized as a kid. And we're like, well, do you remember? Not really, but my parents told me I was. A little bit different. I'll explain that in a minute. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't know how to do that. I don't know if it's a big deal. Is it really that important? Why can't I can just ask God to come in my life? And I can follow him. I don't have to go be baptized. That's kind of a little bit much. Okay, I get it. Maybe those are the things that are stopping you. But this Ethiopian, when he looks at Philip, he's like, hey, listen, I see some water there, and I'm going to follow through. I, th this is my moment. What's stopping me? For many of us, it's pride. I can remember I made a decision as a child to be baptized. But I was about 19. We were doing um, music. You know, a lot of these guys played with us. We did music all over south. But we were here in town working with Denny Duran. We used to do some mu music with Denny. Denny would preach. We would do the music. And I remember on one particular night, about 19 years old, I remember God saying, no, man, this is your night. I'm like, well, hey, but what? I was baptized before. Like, did you understand it? Did you really grab hold of it? I mean, kind of. But I'm asking you, would you be willing to humble yourself again? You go, well, what, didn't it count when I was younger? It wasn't about whether I had done it when I was younger. It was about God was doing something in my life. And you know what was keeping me from doing it again? Pride. I was like, yeah, but I'm leading worship. Everybody's going to look at me and go, why are you getting baptized? I thought you already had your stuff together. Because for me, it was about humility. It was about, Jesus, I'm willing to do whatever. I'm willing to lay my life down. And that baptism is symbol of death of the old man. The power of the resurrection. You becoming a new person. You following the example of Christ. And here's the deal. When you get God speaking to you and you feel like something's stirring you, you got a choice to make. And that Ethiopian was like, what's stopping me now? Well, it reminded me of another movie clip. Machine Gun Preacher. You probably have never seen this movie, but it is a great movie to watch. Might even cause you to have a little PTSD if you grew up in church. And you go, well, why? Well, because it's old school. And this clip is going old school. Baptist preacher's coming at them. And this guy who's been had a rough past, made a lot of bad choices. His family has got him in church. And in the middle of all this, he's battling, should I go or should I not? And this is another reminder, probably for many of you in here, is we all have a choice to make. And it's not easy to make it, but when you do, there's something powerful that happens. Watch this little clip from Machine Gun Preacher. Check it out. If there are sinners here today looking for God, I want you to raise your hands. Come on, raise them up high to heaven. Raise your hands and stand up. Come on now, stand up, receive Jesus Christ as your light and your Savior. Stand up. Brother, I see it. I see that look of doubt in your eye. I know you're thinking, I'm just too dirty a sinner. He can't forgive me. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. You just knock and be received. Come on now, stand up. Come on home to Jesus. Yes, stand up. All right. Hallelujah. We're going to wash away our sins in the blood of the Lamb. We're going to baptize right now. Come on down. Come on down right now. Come on down. Everybody, come on down here. Yeah, come on down right here. Praise be to God. We're going to save some folks tonight. Yes, come on down there. Come on, brother. We're going to save you now. Come on in. Yes, I want you to cross your arms now. Cross your arms. Yes, sir. Stand right here. Okay. Upon your confession of faith, 
and your obedience to the word of God regarding his death, burial, and resurrection, I do indeed baptize you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. What I love about that clip is his wife had been talking to him and they've been working through things, but there he is knowing this is his moment. Does he have all the answers? Has he got it all figured out? No, he just knows, man, I got to do this. What's stopping me? Nothing, my pride. Did he have it all? Was he perfect? No. Was there fear? You saw it, even for this guy, which is a great movie on what he goes on to accomplish. Rent it, watch it. Not with the kids, with with mom and dad. Why? Because it's real. This is a true story about this guy and this journey. But here's the thing. There comes a point when you go, man, this is my moment. Acts 8 goes on. It says the Ethiopian official ordered the chariot to stop. This was it. It's like, this is it. Let's do it right now. I'm not going to miss another moment. So both Philip and the official went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And this is my favorite part. When they came out of the water, the official continued on his way home to Ethiopia. And he was a very happy person. See, some of you in here, you've been struggling, trying to make the decision. You're going to go here, you're going to go there, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And all the weight of everything's piling on top of you. And you just know, man, this is the decision you need to make, but you just keep putting it off, keep putting it off. Well, I'm going to do that one day or maybe at another time. I mean, I don't know. I've done that before. you got all these things rolling in your head. But I want you to understand that for 16 years in Simple Church, Splash Kingdom and backyards and swimming pools and hot tubs and being a part of baptism is some of my favorite moments, if not my favorite moments. You go, well, why, Justin? Because that very happy scripture that you see is written all over your face when you come out of that water. And I pulled just a couple of seconds to show you exactly what I mean. And you might see yourself. Some of you from even in this room are in this next video. Watch. This is what I do. Come on, y'all, put your hands together. Come on, y'all, that's pretty cool, right? So let me ask you, does it take you back to your moment? Or do you not have a moment? Do you go, man, I'll never forget that? Or do you go, man, I don't really remember that? See, it can be for you this next Sunday. No fear, no waiting. You don't have to be perfect, I can promise you this. You have to just simply believe, and I'll prove it to you. Hang on. But here's the thing. Proverbs 13, 16 tells us that a wise man plans ahead, a fool doesn't. Justin, why does every time do you do this message right before we go to Splash Kingdom? Because I'm trying to help you plan ahead. 
I'm trying to be wise about making sure you understand why we, why do we have church? I just don't understand. Because you can be a part of one of the coolest moments in someone's life. And it might be your husband. It might be your wife. It may be your child. It may be your friend. And I want you to understand why it's such a big deal. And I'm going to help you understand by answering five quick questions. I've given you three reasons you procrastinate, but here's five questions that many of you have because I had them. I grew up Catholic and Baptist. So flung number one, what about a child's baptism? What about if I was baptized as a child? What if all these things in your head, well, does it still count? Did it count? How do I work through this? Well, I'm going to go to the movies again. Anybody remember this movie right here? Uncle Drew. Some of you are like, I don't even want to admit I saw it. All right, but yeah, you did. Because there's some great stuff in this movie. I ran across this clip and I was like, that's pretty funny right there. Because there's a lot of confusion when it comes to a child and babies and baptism. And in this movie, they're kind of having a little fun with it. But there are some great points I can make after you watch this clip. See if you can't smile a little bit when you realize how crazy this world is that we live in. But at the same time, maybe we can learn something and apply it to our life. Watch. He's going to duck a baby. One for the money. Two for the show. Three to get it that baby man you can't baptize a baby you cannot do that you cannot that is a baby okay you christen a baby right you hold the baby right maybe splash a little water on his face he's gonna cry a little bit but no big deal you don't dunk a baby in a baptismal pool look here tiny tim took me almost an hour to fill up that pool somebody's getting baptized you gotta make him take one for the team take one for the team Jerome, just like back in the day when we used to hoop, you can still throw the alley oop. Thank you for throwing me this lost soul. Ah! No wonder we're so confused about baptism, right? Well, here's what's funny about it, but here is what I want to educate you on. Why that clip is a little bit true, and you go, well, what do you mean? Well, for years, back in the early church, they would actually take babies and dunk them under the water. Some still do. They had a little problem with it, and that was that they accidentally drowned some kids, and that's not an exaggeration. You look at church history, they started realizing, probably not a good plan, so they started christening. They started pouring a little water on their head. They started walking through these different circumstances to try to figure out. But here was the problem with all of that. Not a bad thing as in like it's a big problem, like I'll never be over it. Because if you were baptized as a child or an infant, it's a powerful spiritual moment for the family. But the child is not old enough to make that decision. They don't really know what happened. That's why some of you go, well, my parents told me I was baptized. Well, do you remember it? I don't remember it. It doesn't discount what happens to a child, but what I'm challenging you is when you look at Scripture, every baptism in Scripture, the Bible, front to cover, the person was old enough to make that commitment on their own. It wasn't a parent decision, it was a personal decision. It happened to me this week. I had a family call and they were like, hey ma'am, my child is working through this decision and I want to know if you can help me, Justin, because I'm not sure they understand. Well, somebody I had a lot of relationship with, his name is Cross, 
And Cross and I, I've known him since he was in preschool. He actually helped us do a do-good project. And I pulled a little 20-second clip because this goes all the way back to his preschool years. Let me show you this clip real fast. Watch. That's how you do good. That's what I'm talking about. Give me five on that. Boom, give me fist bump on that. Boom, blow it up. Boom. <laughs> he looked at me like I was crazy. You already saw that, right? Well, he's a preschooler. He's a preschooler. He didn't really understand. His parents were just teaching him, you need to do good. He had a lot of shoes, so he was donating to kids that didn't have any shoes. His parents were doing the right thing. They're like, here's how we teach you. Here's how we show you. And he did what they told him to do. But all of a sudden now he comes in and says, Mom and Dad, you're not telling me to do this. I want to get baptized. Well, they're kind of like, oh, my gosh, what do you mean you want to get baptized? They didn't understand. So I sat down with him, sat in the office. We talked for a little bit, and he's like, man, I'm going to get baptized, Justin, before school starts. And I was like, okay, dude, well, tell me about it. He's like, I ain't waiting for Splash Kingdom. Before I go to school, I'm getting baptized. I'm like, cross, okay, well, what's the deal? And he's like, I know that Jesus died for me. I want him in my life. And I, when I go to school, I want to tell everybody that I've been baptized. And I don't want to wait. So guess what we did this past week? Sobo, son. We went down to Sobo, and we baptized him. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. All his family, his friends come in, they gather around, and let me just show you why this is important. Look how much older he is. He was old enough to make the decision. It was not a parental decision, it was his decision. And when you look at Scripture, this is what I'm telling you. Acts 2, those who believed and accepted his message were baptized. It's about belief and then baptism. Acts 8, 13, Simon believed and was baptized. If your child doesn't believe, don't force them to get baptized. But boy, if they come to you and they go, Mom and Daddy, I believe, and I want to follow through, then you're missing a great opportunity. That's why I'm giving you a whole week to have the conversation, to talk about it as we lead up to it. Why is it so important? Because it is a spiritual marker in their life. You don't want to miss it. And then here's the obvious question. What about you? What about your decision? Was it when you were a child and you don't even remember believing? but you were baptized and now you're old enough to believe, why wouldn't you go, I need to do that right. I need to, I need to follow through. I want to remember this. I want to show my kids. How many parents and kids have we baptized together? How many families have we got in the water together and celebrated this? I can tell you thousands in 16 years, thousands of people. And for thousands of years, when someone believed, they were baptized. You don't see any record in Scripture of a baby being baptized. Only those old enough to believe. Number two, is there anything special about the water? Dude, we're a splash kingdom. You know there ain't nothing special about the water, right? But let me just have a little fun because we're in the movie series. Anybody remember this movie right here? Oh, brother, where are they? Anybody remember that? Well, let's have a little fun and learn a little something about is the water special or not? Watch. Well, I guess hard times flush the chump. Everybody's looking for answers. Del Mark been saved. Well, that's it, boys. I've been redeemed. The preacher done washed away all my sins and transgressions. It's a straight and narrow from here on out. And heaven everlasting is my reward. Delbert, what are you talking about? We got bigger fish to fry. 
The preacher said all my sins is washed away, including that Piggly Wiggly I knocked over in Yazoo. I thought you said you was innocent of those charges. Well, I was lying. And the preacher said that that sin's been washed away, too. Neither God nor man's got nothing on me now. Come on in, boys. The water is fine. <sighs> Anybody remember? There's some problems with the theology. Number one, the preacher don't wash your sins away. You already know that, right? You already know that the water is not what saves you. Remember his buddy, look at him. He's been saved. Why? Because he was baptized. Baptism don't save you. The preacher don't wash your sins away. There's nothing special about the water. It's just a symbol. Jesus is the one that saves. The preacher gets to be a part of that great moment, but I don't have really anything to do with that. Jesus draws you to himself, and we get to celebrate your decision. And let me prove it. Matthew 3, you ready for this? This is a great passage. Please pay attention. Remember this one. When John realized that a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees, religious people, the leaders of the religious church, were showing up for a baptismal service, experience it because it was becoming the popular thing to do, he got mad. And he said, you bunch of snakes. I mean, dude, he's going whole school. What do you think you're doing? Slithering down to the river. Do you think a little water on your snake skin is going to make you any different? And this is the punchline. Are you ready? It's your life that must change, not your skin. Water don't do nothing, y'all. It is just simply a symbol of what God has done in your life, of what Jesus has done it is a reminder that, yes, when you follow through in baptism, it is a proclamation. It is telling the world. It's like a wedding ring. Dude, I can take this wedding ring off. I'm still married. Trust me. Ask Angie. She'll tell you, all right? <laughs> but when I put it on, I let the world know I ain't ashamed of my hot wife. Can I get an amen on that, all right? I'm like, dude, I made that commitment. I'm in that, baby. 25 years. I ain't going nowhere. She ain't getting rid of me. In the same way, when you get baptized, it's an outward proclamation that I am with him and he ain't getting rid of me. We're in this forever. Number three, do I have to get baptized? Simple answer, no, you don't. You go, well, what do you mean you don't? Well, I'm gonna give you an example. Three guys hanging on a cross. You may know the guy in the middle, his name is Jesus. One on one side was bad-mouthing, sarcastic. One on the other said, man, I believe in you. And look what happened, Luke chapter 23. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Thief on the cross. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't get baptized. He didn't go to church. He didn't tithe. He didn't go to Sunday school. He didn't do nothing. He simply believed in Jesus. And this is what I'm telling you. Can I believe in Jesus and make it to heaven? Yes, you can. This is the proof. But why wouldn't you if you can? That guy couldn't come off the cross to be baptized. They didn't even throw a bucket at him. Jesus could have said, I hear you. Somebody baptize this cat so he can get in. But he didn't. And when I had a preacher one time, I did a funeral, and they were like, oh, brother, I hate to break it to you. Your theology's off because he was in paradise. He wasn't in heaven. And I, because I'm a bad preacher, pray for me. Y'all know I cussed too much, and I was being mean, all right? I said, look at here, preacher. Today you will be with me. That's Jesus. If Jesus is there, that's heaven to me. Can I get an Amen. I don't understand the theology, but I'm going to tell you this. That thief on the cross was with Jesus. I'm going to be where he is. And I am totally, totally fine with that. Because that's the ultimate goal. Man, this life is short. You're not promised tomorrow. I had a rough funeral, man, this past week. And here's the thing. The thing that made it so good, way too young to pass. But you know what made it a celebration? She made a decision 
to follow Jesus. And she was baptized, letting the world know that the old was gone. And I am born again. I am new. That's why if you can, you should. Why should I get baptized? Why should you do it? Here's a question. Why wouldn't you do it? The short answer is Jesus is calling you to it. He's asking you to it. Jesus himself was baptized. Prove it, Justin. Jesus came from Nazareth and was baptized by John in the river. There's the proof. Not only did Jesus do it himself, he told us to do it. Prove it, Justin. Mark chapter 1, Jesus said, Go then to all people everywhere and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey what I've commanded. This is your opportunity to be obedient. And why would I, Justin? Because you've changed. You're not the same anymore. And you're letting the world know that you've changed. People poured out of Jerusalem, all these little towns, Judea, the Jordanian countryside, to hear him and see him in action. And there at the Jordan River, those who came to confess their sins were baptized into a what? If your life has changed, why would you not want your kids to know? If your life has changed, why don't you want your coworkers to know? There's some accountability in that. There is some power in that. There is a smile in that. There is relief in that. And I know it's a process, but that's why you're here. It's no accident. Some of you had not been baptized. Some of you don't have the memory. You don't think about it. You don't know about it, but you believe in Jesus. And you go, man, I need to follow through. One last movie clip. I took my life group to see this movie. We had no idea. I didn't know anything about it. I just knew it was coming out. I'm a music guy. It's kind of how Christian music started. It's a movie called Jesus Revolution. It's all about the Jesus movement happening on the West Coast and the way it changed music and the culture and the hippies and all that kind of stuff, which I was like, that's kind of cool. Let's go see. But one of the most powerful scenes in this movie is the baptism scene. So I pulled it for you because most of you probably hadn't seen the movie, but what you will see is what I have seen in 16 years of Simple Church. It's a celebration. It is joy. It is the favorite day of the year for me and my family because we see you going public with what has been private. You've asked Christ to come in your life and we celebrate that together. And when I saw this scene in the movie, it brought all that back for me. Watch. I'm just saying, why is it going to prove? Right, it's just water. Why are you freaking out? I'm not freaking out. I'm not freaking out. Okay, I'm freaking out a little bit. You're going to be fine. Do you fully accept Jesus Christ? for this moment since I first met you. Have you decided? Uh, um, I, I, I don't know. 
want to decide right now? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. But you are the savior of the world. You are the savior of the world. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to come into my life. I repent for my sins. I repent for all my sins. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior, my God and friend. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior, my God and my friend. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Greg, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. y'all give him a little love man so good you go well how does it happen like this father i come to you and i am a sinner and i believe that you died on the cross jesus and i want you to come into my life i want my life to change and i want to follow you and i'm not ashamed i'm not fearful i want the world to know help me god to let this baptism tell the world of my commitment to you and help me to follow you every day of my life. And when you pray a prayer like that in this room, at home with your kids, and you mean it, then he comes into your life and he changes you. And yes, it's a process. Yes, you continue to walk with them. And then he says, how do you feel? Alive, smile, the pressure release, eternity secured. This is why it matters today.